We'll continue in the book of Joshua. We'll look at Joshua chapter 24. We'll read verse 15 and then verses 29 through 31. Joshua 24, 15. These are the words of Joshua. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 29 through 31. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Serah, which is in the Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. In all the days of the elders that over, out, overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. A couple Sundays ago, we considered the example of King Saul. You might say that was a study in failed leadership. Well, we have a different story here in the example of Joshua. Joshua was a example of godly leadership. You know, we hear a lot today about influencers, social media influencers. I just read an article the other day about one particular celebrity who gets paid $500,000 every time she posts a video on one particular platform because of her influence. Sadly, she is a very godless, immoral influence, but a high-paid one nonetheless. Well, you know, the world doesn't need any more godless influencers. What they need is some godly Christian influencers. And certainly Joshua gives us an example of how to do that. You consider the job that Joshua was presented with or what he was tasked with. He was called to lead three million people into the promised land. We know Joshua's own generation, because of doubt and unbelief and disobedience, ended up forfeiting their right to the inheritance and ended up bleaching their bones in the wilderness. And now we see Moses died and it was up to Joshua to take the lead. And he was called to lead the children of his generation into the promised land. Well, we know Joshua right away, it seemed like almost right out of the gate, he faced some obstacles. Well, as children of God, as we are heading to the promised land, you can be assured we're going to face some obstacles along the way. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, the Lord just gave Joshua a simple set of instructions. He said, go over this Jordan. Joshua did not stagger at the commandment of the Lord. Joshua didn't question the Lord or feel the need to state the obvious. God, there's a river here. It's in the way. said it was overflowing its banks. It was during the time of harvest. doesn't mention that there was any bridge to cross over on. God didn't say to go around it. He simply said to 
pass over it and lead the children of Israel behind you as you do that or lead them before you. Well, Joshua didn't get hung up on the details. Joshua was simply determined to obey the Lord and he was going to leave the details up to God. Of course, we know uh, later as they got closer there, the Lord gave Joshua instructions and he provided a way for them to cross that Jordan River. He told Joshua to send the priest on ahead and to bear the Ark of the Covenant and the people would follow after. And as they got to the brink of that river, he said as the soles of the feet of the priest touched that water, that God would part that water. And sure enough, that's exactly what the Lord did because Joshua followed God's instructions. Well, they got through that obstacle. And guess what? Right away, they faced another one. They came to that city called Jericho. And it was a high-walled and a well-fortified city. And it happened to be right in the way of where they needed to go. But you know, God had already promised Joshua the victory. Joshua 6, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. God had already promised that city to Joshua. You know, I heard an old-time saint once say that as Christians, if you're a child of God and you're following the Lord, God has already guaranteed you the victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We'll still face battles. We'll still face challenges. But God has already promised the victory, just like He did here with Joshua. That was good enough for Joshua. But we see the Lord giving Joshua a very clear set of instructions. He told him to take the army, encompass the city once a day for six days, and don't make any noise. Don't say a word. Of course, this involved about 600,000 footmen or soldiers, but they followed the Lord's instruction. Then he said on the seventh day, compass it seven times. And on that seventh time, have the priests blow the trumpets and give a shout. The walls will fall down and then you go in and conquer the city. Well, you know, from a human perspective or from a military standpoint, those instructions would seem ludicrous. What kind of a strategy was that for conquering a city? Well, it was God's strategy, and that made it a fail-proof plan. Joshua understood that. We don't see that. Joshua staggered at the commandment of the Lord. It didn't say whether he understood or not. It didn't make any difference. He was simply willing to obey what God commanded him to do, and as he did that, And as the people followed his example, God gave him victory after victory after victory. You know, Joshua was a great example of Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's what Joshua did. That's what we want to do. We don't Try to figure things out. If God says to do something, we do it. And we trust the Lord to direct our paths just as he did for Joshua. You know, never once do we read about a time when Joshua ever failed the Lord. We don't read about any personal failures. We don't read about any moral failures. We never read once about Joshua ever murmuring or complaining against the Lord. 
This was in spite of the fact that he had to spend an extra 40 years wandering around in the wilderness with a bunch of malcontents and naysayers. You know, it was because of their doubt and their unbelief. They weren't permitted to go in and inherit the land at that time. And for another 40 years, Joshua and Caleb had to dwell among a people that, in a sense, maybe cheated them out of their inheritance for 40 years. But we don't ever see a time when they were grumbling or complaining. Their confidence was in the Lord. They knew what God promised. God would deliver. And Joshua was faithfully just willing to follow the Lord. You know, as you think about the example of Joshua, you might wonder what characteristics or what traits or what qualities or virtues would allow Joshua to be such a a successful leader or an influencer. Well, you know, they're the same things that will allow us to be successful. We know the Word of God tells us that Joshua had faith. He turned to Numbers chapter 14. Verses 6 through 8. I'm sorry, Joshua 4, verses 6 through 8. Excuse me. Numbers 4, verses 6 through 8. Numbers 14, verses 6 through (laughs) 8. I'll get this, okay? (laughs) It says here, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey." Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stones, bade stones, bade stone them with stones. You talk about living in the middle of a cancel culture. They wanted to actually Take up stones because of the good report that Joshua and Caleb brought back to the people. It's pretty sad, really, if you think about that. What made the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies? Well, Joshua and Caleb chose to put their faith and confidence in what God had promised. The other ten placed their faith in what they could see. You know, it wasn't a matter of a lack of faith. It was a matter of misplaced faith. Those ten spies were convinced that they could not go up and possess the land based upon what they had seen. It says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against this people for they are stronger Then we, they were convinced, they had faith based on what they saw, that they couldn't do it. Well, Joshua was convinced they could go on based on what God had promised. That was the difference. He said, let us go up once and possess this land. You know, faith, the Bible says, every man is given a measure of faith. 
Everybody has faith. They have faith in something. The difference is where you choose to place your faith. Joshua and Caleb chose to put their faith in confidence in the Lord. And you have that same choice. If you misplace it, it's going to be disastrous. But Joshua and Caleb, they chose to put their faith in their confidence in the Lord. We know that Joshua was fully consecrated to the Lord. Again, you read in Numbers chapter 32, verse 11 and 12. It says, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. It says they wholly follow the Lord. That word holy means uh, to the full or the entire extent, completely. And the only way to do that is to be consecrated to the Lord. When we seek to be sanctified, that is what we are doing. We are consecrating our lives to the Lord. We are asking the Lord to set us apart, to purge us and purify us, and to use us exclusively for His glory and honor. Joshua was completely consecrated to the Lord. That's why God could use him the way He did. Joshua, we know, was obedient to the Lord. If you turn to the book of Joshua again, chapter 11, Verse 15, it says, As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. The key there, it says, is that he left nothing undone. Joshua was completely holy and fully obedient unto the Lord. He left nothing undone. You know, I believe it was that quality that set him apart from so many of the other leaders. As you read the history of Israel and you go through the Old Testament, you see the kings and the leaders that they were often under. Sometimes you would see a king being introduced with these words, he did evil in the sight of the Lord time and time again. And again, we know uh, usually for those kings, uh, they were destroyed and their families were destroyed. And it was disastrous for the children of Israel because by their influence, they caused them to sin against the Lord. Well, then you sometimes will come across a chapter and it introduces a king or a leader. It says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. So you had these leaders that uh, were completely committed to the Lord. They left some things undone. And unfortunately, as you read those accounts, it was those things that were left undone that often came back to haunt the children of Israel and to cause them uh, caused their downfall. Often it was because the high places and the groves weren't removed, those places where idolatry took place. And by leaving them there, those things had a negative influence on the children of Israel. And those things came back to haunt them. 
and often the results were the same. Well, are there some things undone in your life? You know, sadly, too many people try to serve the Lord, but they leave some things undone. Maybe there's a restitution in your heart or your life and you're putting it off. Maybe there's some unforgiveness there. Maybe you're allowing a root of bitterness to take hold and it's growing unchecked. Maybe there's a consecration in your life that the Lord is, is dealing with you about and you're holding back from the Lord. You know, if you continue to do those things, if you leave things undone, eventually it can lead to disobedience. And we know that that will, if you continue that way, you'll be headed for destruction rather than the promised land. But uh, Joshua, he was determined to do everything God commanded him. He left nothing undone. You know, Joshua had to learn to follow before he could ever lead. It's been said that every successful leader must first learn to follow. Joshua was no exception. We read that Joshua ended up following Moses from his youth. Of course, in following Moses, he was following the Lord. The Bible tells us as the Lord commanded Moses, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. So we see by following Moses, Joshua was following the Lord, and Joshua did that faithfully for many, many years. Before he was ever called to lead, he had to learn to follow Most commentaries say Joshua was about 19 years old during the time of the Exodus. So he saw under Moses' leadership, they crossed the Red Sea, and he saw all of these miracles that God had performed. And for many, most of that time, for 40 years at least, he was a servant to Moses, just faithfully followed Moses until the day when Moses died and Joshua was called to lead. But Joshua first had to learn to follow. That ability to follow is what made him such an effective leader. And he continued to follow the Lord all the way into the promised land. Well, what are we called to do? Obviously, we're not called to lead three million people into Canaan land. But we are called to follow the Lord. Every one of us. It's true. The Bible tells us It's not the Lord's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The only way to do that is to follow the Lord, to repent of our sins, to surrender our lives to Christ, to yield to the Lord and become a follower of Christ. He calls every man to do that. We know not every man answers that call, but that call goes out. That is the Lord's desire. You know, hell was never intended for Mankind. The Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels, but because of man's disobedience and rebellion and because of his uh, unbelief, man sends himself there and often tragically drags others along with him. But it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we know the Lord calls every one of us to be a follower of the Lord. Jesus tells us, he gives us, The criteria says, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So again, we see, before we can ever lead, we must learn to follow. The Lord calls us to be an example to others. 
It says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Lord gives us the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The Lord calls us to be salt and light. The Lord wants us to be that purifying agent in a sinful and corrupt and godless world. We're called to be salt and light. So we see we have a responsibility. We may not be called to lead millions, but we are called to follow the Lord and to be an example to others. Parents have a responsibility to lead their children, to train their children. It says to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's not the responsibility of anybody else but the parents. No one has a greater influence on our kids than us as parents. It says we're to teach them the fear and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You know what? We don't ever want to delegate that responsibility to someone else. I can guarantee if you do, there will be somebody that will teach your kids. There's going to be somebody that will influence your children. It may be their teachers or their peers. It may be the media. It may be the Internet. But there's somebody that will be willing to take up that responsibility. But that's something God places on us. And we want to take it. Very seriously. I'll read a little quote here by a man named Chester M. Pierce. This man is actually a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. He's a child psychiatrist, and he's also apparently considered an expert in public education. This is what he had to say. He was addressing an international education seminar. He said, every child in America entering school at the age of five is mentally ill. Think about that for a minute. Because he comes to school with certain allegiances to our founding fathers, toward our elected officials, toward his parents, toward a belief in a supernatural being, and toward the sovereignty of this nation as a separate entity. It's up to you as teachers to make all of these sick children well by creating the international child of the future. We don't want to leave the responsibility of training our children to anybody else. There are plenty of godless, filthy purveyors of filth that will happily do that job for you, but that's our responsibility. We must be that godly influence That our children see. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He didn't leave that job to anybody else. He was going to do it. And we as parents, we must be those that are responsible for our own children. You know, we have, in a sense, we have a personal responsibility to ourselves. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, it's impossible to lead somebody anywhere if you don't know where you're going and you don't know who you're following. But the Word of God says here that we're supposed to make sure we are following the Lord. 
We examine our own hearts, our own lives. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We have to make sure we're walking in faith and obedience before we can ever influence anyone else. You know, you can't lead anyone to the foot of the cross if you've never been there yourself. You can't lead somebody on those paths of righteousness if you're not walking that pathway yourself. You can't encourage somebody to be godly and holy and pure if you're not living a godly pure and holy life. So we have to examine ourselves. The Bible says to examine yourself, to be, see if you're found in the faith. So we want to make sure our own lives are lining up to the Word of God before we could ever hope to lead anyone else. You know, godly leaders and influencers must be consistent. Titus 2.7 says, "...in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works." You know, nothing will kill your testimony like inconsistency. Nothing will confuse your children more than seeing a life of inconsistency. It's like one man said one time, so many so-called Christians, they go to church on Sunday and they sing Onward Christian Soldiers and then they go AWOL on Monday morning. We shouldn't have a life of inconsistency. We must show ourselves a pattern of good works. I'll share a little poem. It's called, I'd Rather See a Sermon. And I think it puts it in pretty good perspective here. It says, I'd rather see a sermon preached than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye's a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you in the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act, and how you live. Pretty sobering. You know, we all have influence, every one of us. Whether you want to believe that or not, we are all casting our shadow on somebody around us. The Bible tells us we're going to be judged by our influence. We're responsible whether that influence is good or bad. The Lord is going to hold us accountable for that influence. You know, Jesus' word tells us it would be better for a man if he had a millstone hung about his neck and cast into the sea than that he would offend one of these little ones. It's very, very serious. You know, our influence is determined by who we choose to follow. We have a choice. It also tells us those that lead many to righteousness shall shine as the stars that shineth forever and ever. We have a choice. Our influence will be determined by who we choose to follow. Well, who are you following this morning? What kind of influence are you having on those around you? We can make a choice. We can choose to serve the God of this old world, the prince of the power of the air, and you will be under his influence. And tragically, if you continue down that path, you'll end up 
in a lost eternity in a devil's hell, and tragically you may drag those along with you. That's one choice. Or we can choose to serve the Lord. Like Joshua, you can choose this day who you will serve. You can serve the Lord. And we know the end result of that, if we're faithful and we continue to follow, one day we'll lay hold on eternal life. One day we'll cross over in that promised land and God helping us will bring some along with us. That's what we want. What path are you on? What what influence are you having today? Who are you serving? Well, only you know the answer to that. But if you're not serving the Lord, you can change. Today, you can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, with one honest prayer from the depth of your heart. In one moment of time, you can go from being hell-bound to Canaan-bound. It just takes one honest prayer, and God can help you today. If you're not serving the Lord, come to the Lord. Yield your life to the Lord. If you're serving the Lord, but half-heartedly, give everything to God. Don't leave anything undone, and God will bless you. The Lord will write your name in heaven, and He can help you to be that positive influence, that godly influence that He calls all of us to be. We're going to have a chance to sing or to pray. We'll sing song 193. Let's come and seek the Lord today.